0: up to a crimson sky Wednesday morning to see a flare off in the distance, and I grabbed my son and I said, Netflix missed. <laughs> and it's bad. And he's like, what, what happens now, Dad? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. That was my reading of The Road as Netflix's, uh, as Netflix's earnings report. But anyway, Eric, sorry, just start start off the episode.
1: Hi, we're, we're here with Dead Cat. This is Eric. I'm the author of Newcomer. I'm in New Orleans for a wedding. We all have a sort of ad hoc audio gear here. Tom, you said you were hiking I was
0: camping for the last couple of days. I I I camped from SF down to Los Angeles over the last few days. I'm back now. I'm back at home. So I have no real excuses, but I definitely missed the last week of news. So I'm excited to learn about it all from you guys.
1: Oh yeah. I'm dragging you back to the podcast when you're supposed to be on vacation, but this, this is extracurricular anyway. And then we have Lucas Shaw here, my old colleague at Bloomberg, who has assembled an enormous fiefdom on, his, uh, on the entertainment team. I think he's like the czar of all things uh, Hollywood uh, for Bloomberg World. Are they going to have <laughs> czars
0: inside the Bloomberg Empire?
2: There was a period where czars were very popular. Yeah, We'd come up with czars for a particular coverage exactly. area.
1: That that way you could create a new hierarchy within the existing scheme of hierarchies. I I I'm not as in touch with the Bloomberg uh, politics of the day, but uh Lucas is the uh epitome of the player coach, right? Reporting and and you have a newsletter, screen time, right?
2: Yeah, every Sunday.
0: Yeah. The original Hollywood entertainment newsletter, I feel like, right? I know there's like there are a dime a dozen these days, but I I feel like back when I was, you know, on uh in in the racket, I was I remember yours coming out, like, it's been a couple years since you've been doing it, right?
2: It's actually been eight years. Wow. But it didn't get really routinized until about two years ago.
1: Yeah, well, I'm super excited to have you on. I mean, Netflix, as Tom was hinting at, things have been crazy, a terrible quarter, fun to dive into streaming world. And then after we talk about sort of, uh, I guess, the bloodbath at Netflix, we can compare cnn plus to quibi and uh debate uh, what what went on there and if
0: now you're talking my language if, if that is the most
1: embarrassing uh which is the more embarrassing failure i i oh that's an easy we all have strong takes let's not takes. jump to it but yeah <laughs> okay I, we, we, that's a tease is that a legitimate right? question don't, don't, people are asking. okay be, be let's able to it. have the let's you know composure to hear that Man, question see. not immediately <laughs> dive into it
0: Okay. You think that like being off Twitter for a week makes you like, you know, devoid of takes, but actually they just get bottled up in, in, in you <laughs> in, in the course of a yeah, week. Yeah, you haven't had an outlet. Yeah. Just my kid. Okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, Lucas,
1: we you, you sort of, you you know this the best. I was actually reading your, you did a great like QA sort of piece on what happened with Netflix. Can you just sort of explain to people why this is such a seismic quarter for Netflix?
2: Well, so Netflix in the first, first quarter of 2022, so the first three months of the year, reported that it lost 200,000 subscribers, which was a little, I mean, I thought they could have done a slightly better job messaging this only because they lost 700,000 from exiting Russia. So they really gained 500,000 in the quarter, excluding that, but they they lost 200,000. First time they'd lost subscribers in about a decade. They also projected that in the current quarter, that they would lose another two million subscribers. So they're gonna be down if they, you know, if they deliver on their forecasts, about 2.2 million subscribers in the first six months of the year, which is really unprecedented in the company since it went into streaming. The stock, which had already been tanking for for several months because people were nervous and Netflix had issued kind of a, a crappy forecast the previous time, then declined more than 30% in one day. And a company that was worth More than $300 billion in November is now worth less than $100 billion, uh, which is just remarkable. And I think people had been waiting for Netflix to stumble again because it had just been this narrative of, like, everything seemed to go Netflix's way for the longest time. And they finally did. And when they did, everyone piled on.
1: Right. I sort of presented in my newsletter, you know, it's Tesla and Netflix have been these two highly controversial, shorted stocks that people always said, you know, like the Netflix case was it's taken on so much debt. You know, it kept trying, t- it invested to grow and then it kept succeeding. And Tesla has been similar. And now Tesla's like, I mean, obviously there's such different businesses and totally, you know, I'm, but, but in terms of stock market obsession and sort of risky growth strategies, I think they've been two stocks people love to talk about. And now Tesla's worth, it's like a trillion dollar company. And yeah, we see Netflix uh, with less than, yeah, hundred billion in market cap. It's It's been crazy yeah. to watch.
2: I mean, they're also, it's an interesting parallel because they were companies that started in, you know, very well-known public industries, automobiles and entertainment. A lot of the reasons that people were skeptical of the companies, I know far less about Tesla than I do about Netflix, but in Netflix's case, a lot of the skeptics were just wrong. It's like, oh, debt's going to be a problem. Debt was really never a problem. Oh, they're not going to be able to make TV shows. They really had no problem making TV shows. But one of the reasons to be skeptical was that there was a lot of competition or a lot of companies that were capable of making good film and television, and they just had to figure out how to put them on the Internet in a in a way for people to watch them. Like Netflix's technological advantage has has waned considerably over the last many years. This is where I, I you know, I defer to the car experts on this. I it seems like Tesla has more of a real technological advantage, but similarly, you just have to give sort of the mainstream automakers a chance to figure out how to make electric vehicles and all of a sudden it make maybe makes less sense that Tesla's worth more than all of them put together.
1: Right, and Michael Burry the, you know, short seller known uh, from the big short Tweeted what had come for Netflix would come for Tesla, you know, competition. Yeah. So, but let's talk about the specifics of Netflix. I mean, yeah, you made the point, Russia is some of the reason or a big reason that they're losing subscribers this quarter. But but North America and Europe are both down on their own, right? And that's being made up for by growth in Asia. So there there is like a real issue here that they're losing. Subscribers, you you think that's competition is you know Disney Plus etc. is sort of the main, the main explanation there
2: in the U S probably a combination of just market saturation it already has you know they now they no longer break out the U S because it's the U S and Canada together but they have in the ballpark of kind of 70, 75 million customers. At its peak, there were more than 100 million U.S. pay TV households. And so maybe there there is more to grow. I think Netflix thought, hoped that it would get to 90, but they always ballparked. They'd be in kind of the 60 to 90 range in the U.S., and they're right in the middle of that. So that's a big part of it. And then, yeah, competition. You know, Netflix was one of the only games in town for the longest time. It was Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. And Amazon was and kind of continues to be a, Uh, a a less popular service. And Hulu is always held back by the disfunction of of having multiple corporate owners. And so Netflix was far and away the, the leader and the clear choice. And now people have a lot of choice and it's not that hard to cancel. And Netflix also keeps raising prices. And I think there's sort of a limit you reach. You know, Netflix used to be One of its main selling points was that you could kind of get the TV experience, but it was more convenient to use, and it was a lot cheaper. And all of a sudden, it looks of the different streaming services like one of the more expensive ones. Especially if there aren't shows that you're interested in watching.
0: I'm curious about the internal thinking in Netflix over the course of the last couple of years, because... You know, you talk about signaling to the street that you were going to get to whatever 90 million pay TV households as a potential goal. It seemed clear to me a couple of years ago that that wasn't going to be the case, right? I mean, they were leveling off pretty considerably in North America over the last few years. They got a bit of a jolt when they signed that deal with Comcast, which got, you know, the bundled with Xfinity, which was helpful for a bit. But it was clear that like that 100 million uh, marker was just something they weren't going to be getting towards barring some sort of you know secular change in the industry i mean how long do you think people within netflix at whatever level but certainly at the higher levels were starting to realize that at least within north america and europe kind of the more mature markets that they were headed towards this wall that they were careening towards it and i know we can get maybe into the pandemic and what that did to their business in a second but just within like their expectations of this you know eventual bloody day what uh what was their i mean were they shocked were they surprised did this seem inevitable like where where were they
2: i'd say prior to this past week executives have up and down Netflix including at the highest reaches were always very consistent in believing that their while growth was clearly slowing that there was still growth anytime I would ask about growth moderating in the US and Canada or them hitting a, a point of saturation they would say well I know that people love to talk about this but we're still growing kind of 3 to 5 million customers a year and as long even if the you know the the pace of growth has slowed if we keep doing that you know we'll get to you know we'll get to the numbers that we need to i obviously had a hard time with the folks who said that but it was very consistent messaging i would say with uh, among everyone you know after this week there's at least a something of a recognition that that they need to do more that's clearly why they're they're now talking about a cheaper ad supported service it's something that they always said that they didn't want to do and as you know and and their I main mean wants for, to do advertising yeah like it's
0: it's one of those things it's not like and then if all if all goes well we're gonna introduce the ad supported tier it's like no one no one wants to tell their family they've done that at work at time
1: <laughs> I, I and i you're it is crazy it is a big reversal for netflix to all of a sudden start saying advertising right i mean that's part of the signal here that there's a five alarm fire they they've been so resistant to anything related to advertising over the years right or was there any hint that they were going to make this reversal?
2: There were hints in the recent in the, I'd say in the last month or two. You know, I had a meeting with a with a pretty senior person there about a month and a half ago who used some language that that led me to believe that their position was changing, which was then repeated by the the CFO at uh at a kind of at a public event, one of those investor conferences. The 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 two phrases were were not religious about advertising and then I forget what the other one was, but they were both I think it was people. never say never, right? Yeah, and never say never. never that's say right. Never say never. And so for th- this is where spending way too much time thinking about one company or reporting on one company comes in handy cuz like you hear that and you're like that language though it's a minor change is is actually Seismic, a, a pretty sure. Yeah. So it did feel like they were going in that direction. The the fact them doing it so quickly and by doing it really just saying that they're going to do it I think did catch a lot of people off guard, you know, I spoke with I don't know, half a dozen employees this past week who had no idea that was coming.
0: I read, I think it was actually in the information, which, you know, historically unreliable media coverage. But, <laughs> put, put, that, put that to the side. Um, made it sound like this might have been almost an audible that uh, Reed Hastings called in the middle of the earnings call. Like, I, I didn't listen to it, of course, but it sounded like he interrupted someone in the midst of answering a question. He was like, uh, you know, and also we're thinking about advertising the next two years, which I don't know how you know, if truly off the cuff it was for him to you know see the stock market, you know see the the post market trading just going in that direction, and like well we got to do something, and then you know you you break in case of emergency and throw out that you know that line. Is that right? I mean, is, is, could it truly have been something that was like in the in the heat of the panic of the moment? Reed was like,
2: "Fuck, it's ads." I don't know the answer to that, but I think your your former colleague Jessica and I got sort of had a similar feeling, both watching it and talking to people, that it felt like, you know, there was a, there was, they did a prep, obviously talked about this question in a prep call. They knew it was going to come up. It comes up all the time. Their executives had made some noise about it. it. It felt like Reed Hastings said a bit more than maybe they were planning to say, which you get to do when you're the co-founder and co-CEO and executive chairman. But I, you know, I haven't done enough reporting to really know what was happening there.
0: Right. And I look, you can also walk things back a little bit. I, all of us are familiar with, with reporters of CEOs saying things and us blowing it up into a big story. And then, like, comms teams coming out the next day and saying, like, well, but, you know.
2: But you can't walk of, that back. Not he said, said we're problem. doing it in a week or in a year or two. Like, you're either doing it or you're not, right? He said
0: doing, not considering.
2: It was, that was the active verb there. <laughs> I'd, ha- I'd, have to, I'd have to look at the exact language, but that was it didn't feel like something you're walking back.
0: Let's put it like this: If it was considering, that probably would have been the big messaging the day after the the event, right? It would have been like, "Listen, in the heat of the moment, you know, someone walked into Reed's room in his guest room where he does his calls, and you know, that's uh, that's really what he meant." And and you know, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I
1: mean, it clearly seems like they're doing it. I don't think they're. It doesn't seem like they're trying to walk it back, right? I mean, it's a huge thing to even float. You don't put the genie back in the bottle, or whatever weird. Stock market uh, expression they
0: would well, use. Well, especially because people have been speculating about Netflix doing this for years. Yeah, and, and Disney's doing it too, right? So we're we're basically reaching a point where all these streaming services have their expensive subscription tier and the cheaper ad based tier to like keep juicing the numbers, right? Yeah,
2: it's pretty much just Apple that doesn't, and Amazon doesn't in Prime, but they do have the IMDbT, IMDb TV now since rechristened Freevee, and who knows what the name will be in in two years. Uh-huh. By the way, I mean, all of these ad products on these streaming
0: services are horrendous. I don't know if you've ever watched any of these ad-based tiers. I mean, I've watched IMDb TV. I do on TV. Hulu,
2: and you just there's so many ads and you get the same ad it's over same, and over again. And they're low
0: quality ads too. I mean, like IMDB TV, right, which is net which is Amazon, which is one of the largest digital ad companies in the world, the number of like you know pay college ads or repeated ads or just, it's just amazing that even though these are the biggest ad companies out there have not like developed a really shitty product, which I imagine must be for Netflix, which is coming into it from a standing start, right? They don't have an ads team. They don't have the relationships to build that kind of a product and not have it completely screw up what they consider a premium product, is going to be nightmarish for them, I imagine.
2: It was very interesting or telling to me that in that answer that we referenced that Reed Hastings gave, he referred to the competition, it was, it's working for them, so we might as well do it, which is just not <laughs> historically the Netflix right. way of going about right. things. Like Netflix is always, we're going to do it our own way. And yeah, everybody says this other thing is better, but we know more. And so it, it does speak to kind of this moment where the company is, is under a lot of pressure. I want to ask a little bit about the
0: competition. I saw that um, your buddy Matt Bellany had a piece saying that there's this like orgy of Schadenfreude coursing yeah. through the industry right now, which, by the way, disgusting image. In one sense, I get it, right? I mean, like, this is a company that comes in there that disrupts, you know, the very sacred and profitable models of the cable bundle, and it probably unduly accelerates the decline of the theatrical industry. And they're paying, you know, non market rates for content and they're poaching all of their talent. And the company is fucking led by a guy with David Lynch hair, who's a math genius and, you know, creatively led by a guy who looks like he's constantly chaperoning, like the Sadie Hawkins dance. But at the same time, like these companies, like you can't enjoy the... You know if you're if you're a competitor, if you're at Disney or or Warner Media, you can't enjoy the Netflix situation for all that much longer because if they're capping out at what is it 220 million or so if that ends yeah. up being the global peak, that is bad fucking news for all of these companies, right? I mean, Disney's whole like, you know, Bob Iger's magical trick that he pulled off in getting Disney revalued a couple years back was predicated on the belief that they're going to get to well, I guess now it's changed with JPEG, but it's like more than that, right? Like they they their minimum global
2: thing. They forecast like two forty or something by 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 twenty twenty four. Yeah, in, yeah,
0: that's not that long from now, and they're not that much more
1: sophisticated. Overall, streaming penetration is like thirty percent, right? I was looking through the Netflix. Am I making that number streaming? Up? Well,
2: it depends on what you consider the market, right? So, right. are you measuring against? anybody with a mobile phone? Are you measuring against anybody with connection to fixed broadband? Are you measuring against pay TV households worldwide? Pay TV TV households worldwide, I think, is in the, like, around... I'm going to be off, but let's say it's around 700 million. Right. Which means that, yes, Netflix is, is at about 30, 35%. I mean,
1: this shows how disconnected I am from America. Though I don't think my father watches streaming TV, but it's hard for me to imagine like the households just watching like regular cable and not using streaming. It it feels like there. a totally get, different get, get, get out different there. The America. I mean, but don't I mean doesn't everybody still think streaming is gonna win out? I mean it's a superior product in
0: that sort of long term well, Maybe it's not zero sum.
2: So uh, I'll start with the competition in Schadenfreude, which is I think there's there's it depends on who you talk to. There is no question that there's a, a large reservoir of resentment specifically in Hollywood for Netflix because its success prompted all these companies to merge, restructure. It led to, you know, thousands of people losing their jobs. It led to everybody, you know, having to change the way that they did business. You've got, especially on the movie side, you have all these people who are very up- concerned about the future of the movie business, the future of movie theaters, the future of going to see movies in theaters. And a lot of them blame Netflix for that.
1: And they had to pay creators more, God forbid.
2: Yeah. Yeah but i do think at the you know the the tops of a lot of these companies they're to to tom's point they're not really celebrating because this poses a great danger for them you know they have kind of reengineered their companies to copy Netflix are really kind of right off of its coattails. And if you're going to peak out at 220 million, you're going to, you know, all these companies are eventually going to run into some of the same problems that Netflix has. And that's pretty scary for them. So, but
0: we, so what I mean, so this is now whatever a week later or will be by the time this episode comes out. I mean, what what moves do they take? How do they signal to Wall Street to their employees that like, hey, look, whatever disease is afflicting Netflix, that's not us. We don't have that problem of peaking.
2: Well, for one, because they're starting from a smaller base and they're still expanding worldwide, they're still growing. So, HBO Max reported that it, or ATT reported HBO Max added 3 million subscribers, I think, in the most recent quarter. I've heard some pretty good things about Disney in the most recent quarter. So, if those companies continue to grow, they're going to, at least for now, be able to sort of f- forestall the doom. The other thing that that they can say, to kind of to the the other question that Eric asked, is that, yeah, the, the streaming market continues to grow. The number of people paying for a streaming service or the number of p- subscriptions is going up. The amount of time people are spending watching streaming relative to cable is going up. But there hasn't been a complete cannibalization. And, and there might not be because you still have so much programming, specifically news and sports, sort of tied up in the traditional TV business. Right.
1: All right, and I want to talk about this this idea that account sharing is all of a sudden an issue. This is a total, like, we need, we need something, right? We've been saving this one. I mean, it's it's amazing that they're blowing both, like, we might do advertising and account sharing in the same call. To me, that underlines how terrible this earnings was because those seem like two bullets that you'd pull out when you're really in trouble i mean it's not like they didn't know that account sharing was going on i mean do you think this this is just like a sort of thing that they're waiting for on a rainy day to say okay we can we can crack down on this to to improve the business
2: yeah they've been so uh, they've said in the past for years that there was a lot of account sharing. When they were growing really quickly, they said they didn't care so much because exposing more people to the service was kind of a net positive. It was basically like marketing. I'd say about three years ago, they started to take take cracking down on password sharing more seriously. You know, I had meetings with people and I kind of senior people at the company where they walked me through some of the strategies they were thinking. The challenge that they've had is it's just it's really hard to curb password sharing because you don't want to alienate your customers, right? So you don't want to actually cancel people's subscriptions or prevent them from using it because that's bad for you. You don't I mean you're going to ha- you're going to have a lot of people upset with you. And so what are the ways that you can sort of subtly nudge people to start paying? And they, they they've tried some stuff so far. I don't think it's worked that well. They're now doing this new test in Latin America, where the, the kind of new strategy is just to get someone who's clearly sharing to pay a little bit extra. They don't have to set up their own account. Just maybe you pay, you know, if you're a, if you're the, you're, you're using your parents, but you don't live with them, maybe you pay $3 extra month. It, it remains to be seen if any of this will work.
1: It doesn't seem very like rational markets to me. Like, to me, it would seem like customers know that part of buying Netflix is that you have this service that you can gift to your friends. Like that's part of what you're subscribing for. Eh, I don't, and the I idea don't that they can just take that away and that don't, don't, people won't—some of them won't unsubscribe—seems crazy to me. It's it's a perk. It's an express understood perk of yeah. the streaming world.
0: I mean, look, Netflix definitely played into that for a long time. I think there are even tweets still up there showing them talking about how you know love is letting someone use your Netflix account. And I, by the way, have been enjoying your Hulu account, Eric. So it's <laughs> it's certainly a, a core part of good relationship. But like, right? It keeps I don't you think on it's, the
1: podcast.
0: What's uh, one thing? Um, but I also think that like these things just evolve over time. And like I remember with you know Adobe and Photoshop, they were like usually, you know used to be pretty lax about piracy and the fact that there were so many young people that were just fairly easily downloading these things, but it changes over time and you evolve it. I don't think like the idea of making, you know, I like I I buy more the issue that it's just technologically complicated to force people to do it rather than like it undercuts the core offering of the service by saying everyone and anyone can use someone's password. What's
1: well, also confusing. I pay for the ultra premium, whatever Netflix is and you get as part of that more devices. So isn't right. that I'm confused. Isn't that partially connected into account sharing? And it's like, yeah, my sister or whoever uses my Netflix, so I bought the more premium one. So I have more devices at the same time. Like, is that not already addressing
0: account sharing? Well, I don't know. I mean, you you tell me, Lucas. But like, I, I imagine like that's one portion of the user base that they maybe are less concerned about. I think it's more the people that are paying at the lowest tier um, that they're getting, you know, the least value from that are sharing those accounts to you know large numbers of people.
2: Yeah. And I, look, they're definitely making noise about it now because they're in a tricky spot, and they want to signal that they can, there's plenty of growth that they can get. They're, they're also making noise about it now because they've gotten so big that, you know, what was once sort of a, to your point, a perk or for them marketing is now a bit of a problem because you know if you believe their numbers, there are a hundred million households that are you know using Netflix and not paying for it, and if they can even convert you know, 20 or 30 million of those to pay a little bit of money. That's a lot for them. It's a really tricky balance that they have to strike, I think, both technologically in terms of how they sort of nudge people to do it. And I think you're right, Eric, about kind of the perception of the company. And this is the tricky thing when you get really big is, you know, Netflix was this company that everybody adored because it, you know, it made it super easy to watch TV at home and they made all these fun, provocative shows. And it's definitely entering and I think has been for a while this phase where it's a little bit more of just it's a massive corporation and maybe people's kind of positive association with it is being challenged a bit and cracking down on, on password sharing. And the way that they've messaged around it, I think, doesn't help either because you have a lot of people who think that they're suddenly going to get cut off tomorrow, and that's not what's going to happen.
1: I did want to ask, I guess, sort of about the Netflix brand. Or, you know, if we're in this world where Netflix can't really say, okay, we're just going to be the big one, and instead it's competing more as a peer against Disney, Hulu, Apple, Amazon. Obviously, they're all different size HBO max. I mean, is Netflix going to have more of like a brand? Like, I, I don't know what I associate Netflix with. Like, whereas Disney is able to say some, I mean, this is what's amazing about Disney, but Disney's able to be enormous and still have these iconic brands where you understand what Disney's about and why you might subscribe. Like, do you see Netflix moving in terms of the actual sort of content to any sort of thematic? bundling so people understand, oh, you, Netflix is about this? Or or do they just want to be this sort of vague brand that's like e- everything for everybody?
2: Well, to, to your first point, I do think it's important to put into context that Netflix is still magnitudes bigger than everyone else. I mean, yeah. it, just in terms of subscribers, Netflix is bigger than Disney Plus and HBO Max put together. Yeah. And so the amount of viewership that it generates, the amount of time people spend, it still dwarfs the competition. But... It does have it does come at uh, come at this from a disadvantage in that it, it doesn't have a long legacy of of making shows and owning things that people love. You know, Bob Iger bought a lot of the great brands that now constitute that kind of that Disney offering with Marvel, Pixar, Star uh, Wars, uh, and Pixar Marvel. before Netflix had a streaming service. And so Netflix would, sure, would love to be able to have its own Marvel. It's, it's not easy. Every every studio in Hollywood wants to have their own Marvel, and they haven't been able to do it. But it doesn't have
1: many brands like that, right? I mean, it's they, not... Yeah,
2: I mean, this has been a debate that I've heard a lot between kind of current and former Netflix people is, like, should they... Because I think early on, they kind of identified these, these different niches and kind of served them. And there are some people who wish that Netflix just like took that and owned it. But I think as Netflix got bigger and bigger and bigger, it was just like, well, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this and let's just replicate everything you could find in tv and and that has i think diluted the brand a bit because you're not sure there's there's this constant dialogue right about like quality on netflix there are a lot of people who think that netflix doesn't make good shows anymore and i get why they say that i even as a consumer probably Love is
1: blind is the greatest show of all time what are you yeah
2: well but see that's that's sort of what you're getting at right is all these all these kind of dating shows they're hugely popular they're not anyone's definition of quality but i was at a i was at a you know, a birthday party on Friday night and someone was telling me all about how they think the quality on Netflix has gone way down. And then that precede or that precipitated like a 10 minute conversation about between people about how much they love the ultimatum. Right. And so you can't you can't have it both ways. And and Netflix has to figure out sort of the right balance of programming where they're sort of satisfying that big audience while also kind of maintaining this perception that you can find really good programming there because there is some of it. Maybe not at the same rate as HBO, or maybe you don't feel it as much because they drop everything at once. But there's still a lot of stuff on Netflix to watch. Yeah, it's sort of two parts to that to keep coming to mind. One is like, let's not pretend here that if
0: Netflix had run Severance, or I don't know, The Undoing or some, you know, uh, White Lotus or something that they suddenly would have had 3 million more subs gained during the quarter. Um, you know, obviously it would be nice, I'm sure for Netflix to have those kind of hit water cooler, whatever you want to call them shows, but that we're talking about a secular problem here. Not so much that like, uh, you know, they didn't have, a, a, an out of the box, enormous hit. Uh, and the other thing on the IP side. It's very funny for me to hear, and I, you're talking about just you know the general populace uh, complaining about quality of shows. If this is coming from high level executives at rival movie studios, why don't you guys develop some new IP and not just keep spinning off you know content that was created in the '70s and and, and '60s and comic books and 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 Star Wars and Pixar, you know things that you acquired. It's it's been a long time that i can remember that a completely unique out of the box huge piece of ip came from anyone these days
2: and well, most of the and, stuff yeah. and if it did it it probably came from netflix i mean the biggest new projects maybe not on the movie side but you know the the biggest show of last year was squid game that's a totally new idea it's from south korea like unlike anything point. that hollywood is churning out or la casa de papel money heist huge show from spain for netflix Totally original IP. I, I think someone will probably tell me if that's not true. Right. You know, and then more traditional stuff like The Witcher is a video game and Bridgerton is based on some books. But at least those are are sort of... Relatively new. It's not, you know, movies that were made in the 70s that they're still claiming is like, oh, this is the original IP
0: that we have. It's like, no, not really. You guys are just kind of like mining further and further something that was made decades ago to an audience that that wants it, but it wouldn't call it new.
2: Well, and that's especially true on the movie side. In fairness, on the TV side, you know, HBO produces a lot of new original ideas. I think they're, I mean, it's Disney Plus obviously is still sort of the Marvel and Star Wars factory, but that's Mm -hmm. working so well for them. You know, why deviate? Hulu also has a lot of new original ideas. It's on the movie side where, you know, we've we've just settled into if it's not a pre-branded franchise, we have a hard time. Mm-hmm. But the movie stuff is also driving the TV stuff, right? I mean, with Disney+, Plus, it seems like
0: the most attention they get are from serialized versions of their movie properties. So it's sort of like all kind of one and the same thing when it comes to, you know, what original IP drive subs as far as that goes. Yeah.
1: We're about to talk about CNN Plus because we can always go back and forth and this is the topic everybody wants to hear about. But before that, I wanted to ask one question sort of out of left field, but just because we're talking about Disney and Marvel, I'm curious, like, the sort of Marvel sort of cheaply produced shows or content, you know, just the lower budget Marvel at the moment, like, is that a realization that, like, the Marvel brand that they need to like squeeze everything out of it while they can. Like it feels like, I guess if I were Disney and trying to preserve Marvel, like one strategy would be to like cool it a little, make sure it like has longevity. And the other would be like, actually let's get every dollar out of it we can and just like do everything until people get sick of this. Or or I guess the third is just that I'm so disconnected from reality and everybody loves Marvel so much that this will never, never end. I don't know if you were to, what's your view of sort of how they're how they're treating sort of the Marvel Marvel in terms of its sort of continued uh, sustainability
2: it's the most popular <laughs> a vein of storytelling in the world, and it seems that every time we talk about superhero fatigue, something else comes along to prove to us that we're all wrong. You know, the new Spider-Man movie—you'd you'd think that we're all a little tired of Spider-Man—and then it goes on to be one of the most successful movies of all time. Those the the different shows on on Disney Plus, including kind of WandaVision, Loki—they they seem very very popular. You know, and they're not cheap, by the way, Eric. Th- those things aren't like expensive. Eternals
1: was cheaper. Some of them are. Cheaper than the others, right? They, on they a tried relative to roll basis, out.
2: maybe, but I think they're all pretty expensive. And Disney just feels like, uh, you know, it's going to keep playing its cards and keep playing to its strengths until right. someone tells them they can't anymore. I mean, because they ra- look, they it's ran streaming into this. wars, Eric. Streaming wars. You gotta, you gotta use your entire arsenal. <laughs> they ran into this with with Star Wars, right? It's like there were there was a sense that maybe on the movie side there was a little bit of fatigue, and so they they have held off on just churning out new Star Wars movies, but they had a lot of success with the Mandalorian right. in TV and so now that's Turn, their, turns their new out play. people
1: just hate bad ones and like good ones and as long as they're good you can keep
0: uh pumping maybe, them maybe can I ask one one final question on this segment to to sort of end it yeah i mean going forward covering this company lucas are you thinking netflix about things about. netflix yeah yeah are you thinking about things differently at all i mean it, it's it's obviously a new era and You know, I I think one aspect of what exactly this company is, there's been a lot of stories, I've written them, I'm sure you have, a lot of people have of like, you know, is Netflix moving from a tech company to an entertainment company and the center of gravity has moved from whatever, Los Gatos to Hollywood and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, we're in a position now where people are saying that like, oh, Netflix missed its numbers because it didn't have any big hits. It's like, oh, that's kind of familiar. I know what happens when entertainment companies don't have big hits. They have bad quarters. That just sounds like you're kind of just an entertainment company. You're obviously, you get this company very well and, and the sophistication behind it, but do you think about them differently at all now? Is this a different way to, or at least tell readers a different way to look at this company than the way they may have in the past?
2: I mean, I felt for a while that it was it was more of an entertainment company than a tech company. You know, as soon as as soon as they started spending, you know, five six times more on programming than they did on than they do on engineering, when the, all the hiring they were doing was in L.A., all their senior leadership either moved to L.A. or had to spend a lot of time there. I mean, their CFO left basically because their CFO didn't want to move, or their previous one didn't want to move to Los Angeles. It wasn't the only reason, but it was a major factor, and so. That is not what changes. I do think, though, that we're entering a, a period of kind of a new period of of perhaps skepticism about the company, and where there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, probably a lot of internal unrest and hand wringing about where it's going. And I, I think it'll be a pretty fertile time, actually, for storytelling about and the culture. Netflix. Right? I mean,
0: can you keep running the company in that aggressive? you know, internal criticism, sh- sunshine, everything sort of way
2: that, you know, if you're not exactly the cock of the walk, might not be that easy to do. The company's gotten really big really quickly, and it's hard to preserve that culture. And so I think that's that was already a problem. It was a problem internationally. You know, they had a really hard time getting people, say, in Japan, which is, has a very different kind of corporate sensibility to to live by this Netflix culture where you, you, you weren't going to have... Uh, it was hard to get, say, someone who was kind of at a lower position in Japan to be honest and criticize their superior. That just was is kind of very foreign to to that country. And you had problems like that play out all over the world. And I also think that as there's been this very steady influx of of Hollywood people into Netflix and rising up, you know, it's hard for it not to just start operating and feeling like another Hollywood company. You know, my sort of takeaway right now is it just Netflix felt like a special place to a lot of people for a long time. And there was good and bad to that. And I think now it just feels a little bit more normal, like a big company. There's something sad about that. We're all we're all just the same in the end.
0: It all just kind of like dilutes to the mean.
2: <laughs> I, I know. On the it's like we have to mourn this like
1: brutal culture where people get fired and they're like, yeah, I deserved it. Like I uh, wasn't my prime. They got my prime years out of me, and then they treated me like trash. And then the best company in the world. I mean, I I it's I, interesting. Sort of, I admire though. it. I, I I I'm laughing, but it's, it's you just definitely like, get
0: those conversations with with former Netflix people that will talk about you know the trauma that they went through dealing with the direct criticism and how many hours they worked and all of that. But they don't speak ill of the company. They don't necessarily, I mean, you, some do, obviously. And and those stories get written and they're really interesting. But a lot of people, it's just like, yeah, fucking insane over there. But I don't know, it seems to work. And I like the work I did over there.
1: I mean, it is, it is amazing. I mean, there's still, I, you know, I saw in this quarterly earnings, they were still talking about like the fight with Blockbuster and stuff. I mean, just, just everything Netflix has been able to do. I mean, they wear that history on its sleeve and that that's given them some protection, uh, certainly in, in this hard time for them. But yeah, we'll see if that that lasts. Well,
2: there's a yeah, I th- I think there's a degree to which you know Reed Hastings is one of the kind of the the great entrepreneurs of the last twenty five years, shall we say? If you were to make a a list of the. 10 best, he'd probably be on it somewhere. But this is now sort of his legacy, right? As I think he was maybe ready to, you know, he'd, he'd made Ted Sarandos the co-CEO. There was some assumption that at some point in the next few years, he might just move up to being chairman and not be in there day to day anymore. That It's, it's kind of harder for him to step away now.
1: Listen, if there's anything we've learned from Disney, Hollywood people don't just, like, uh, give you the – I feel like every – anyway, that's a whole Well,
0: the Disney thing is a good comparison, too, because, I mean, Iger was in a somewhat similar situation, right? Like, he was set to walk off into the sunset, and then Disney Plus becomes a priority and decides to extend for a couple more years. Um, One, because he's clearly addicted to the job and is, you know, Tom Brady, like, terrified of what he would do after it. But also because it's like, you know, my legacy of buying up all this great IP of, you know, building Disney into a behemoth at a time where everyone else was shrinking. I can't just leave at this moment uh, that we have the most important initiative in the last couple decades to, you know, to, to be launched. And then COVID hits and they have that awful earnings call. Anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting how much these things end up being similar to each other.
1: All right, Lucas, you want to see T- CNN plus. I want to let you you frame it up because you you know better than I I can, I, I, unless I know you've been focused more on the Netflix story, but are you
2: willing to sort of set the stage? The old head of CNN, Jeff Zucker, since deposed, decided that to kind of bring this cable news network into the future, they needed a paid streaming service, uh, of course, with a plus at the end of the name because that's what every streaming service does. And even though he was sort of ousted right before the service came out, his then boss also since deposed or since ousted Jason Kilar, Kilar kind of brings this thing out right before Warner Media. Jason
1: Kylar was a believer in CNN plus. That's the sense, right?
2: Yes. So they, Warner Media and Discovery, are are kind of set to merge, but they want to rush CNN Plus out the door before that happens. Both because they, you know, believe in it, and because they want to try. They figure if they get it out, that the Discovery people can't kill it. And yet, it took just one month for the Discovery people to kill it. Is basically what happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it. This does feel very much like Quibi, and who thought this was? going to work
2: i really don't get the quibi comparisons
1: oh really yeah well, we're gonna get into that I mean, what do we, I mean i think the quibi comparisons are the sort of self-evident launching a service where who has the intuition that there's demand for this product obviously the formats are so different tom you're like i don't you, you know you have a billion thoughts on this
0: no i i know f- 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 finish your thought i'm just making faces
1: well yeah i, I mean they're they're very different services obviously but it's Spend a lot of money to hire talent for a type of content that people are skeptical about. On Quibi, it's like okay, we're inventing a format. On CNN Plus, it's the idea that people are going to just subscribe. For I mean, you you mentioned it earlier in this conversation that you know there isn't there hasn't been sort of evidence of sort of standalone news interest. Um, you're, somebody's going to say that Fox has had some success there. but No, not I'll, really,
0: though. I don't think the Fox streaming, net, whatever, what is it called, Fox Showtime? Fox no. Nation. Fox Nation. I, I don't cover this shit anymore, I, so I'm not up to date on the numbers. I don't think it's killing it. It's right. like, like,
2: okay, right. They I mean, haven't disclosed. Yeah. Uh, I think the similarity is that they both spent a bunch of money to create a paid service that offered something that people can get for free in a lot of other places. The Quibi idea never made sense to me because they were basically saying we're going to take we're going to make, you know, TV quality sh- shows but at, you know, YouTube length. And it's like, okay, but People and there was this inference that YouTube was not quality, but people really, really love YouTube, and so you didn't need a paid version of that. And also, people really, really love Netflix, and they didn't need their Netflix shows chopped up into nine minutes. There's no part of that. that And obviously,
1: YouTube creators are responsive to what their customers want, whereas Quibi was just like a top-down product where it was like Hollywood says, like we know, right. What you want.
0: Yeah, I guess here's where I would say the similarities and divergences are. Quibi is a classic Hollywood approach to a digital product. It's Jeffrey Katzenberg seeing YouTube being like, well, this stuff isn't very good. It has no stars in it. And the production quality is really bad. But what if we put huge stars? What if we put The Rock or, or, or Kevin Hart in these things? And we have the same, you know, content length, which is clearly what the only reason people watch it is because it's short, which like, no. And and it was a very, yeah, like you said, top-down approach, a Hollywood focus on what they right. think historically has worked. I think CNN, my guess here is that it was partly ex, not existential for them, but they needed a digital play that was more than just having videos posted on the website and a social media presence, right? Like they were like, well, we're – you know, we're going to keep losing subs here and let's just find a way to tap into streaming. So maybe it's not existentialism. CNN would shut down if it didn't happen, but there's a little bit more strategic imperative behind it. Whereas Quibi seemed more like, well, let's invent a new category because we think it doesn't exist yet. Whereas CNN's is more like, well, let's just kind of make a streaming version of CNN that has somewhat you know, focus content in that way.
2: Yeah, uh, CNN had to do something. You can argue that it should have been integrated into HBO Max. I, you know, th- that's up for debate. But if you see what's happening to the cable bundle and you're a channel that makes a lot of money from the cable bundle, you try to figure out some solution to it. It's the same reason that that Fox News did did what it did with Fox Nation. I mean,
1: you could almost put Jet, which is a totally different type of, you know, the e-commerce play where they spent a bazillion dollars to try and compete with Amazon. I mean, I guess I find these things all annoying because they skip over the sort of minimum viable product idea and they just say, wow, if we throw talent, money, marketing, everything at it, we can overwhelm. And then it's often just inexplicable why these people are given sort of such long leashes when there's really no reason they couldn't do it the slow way, except if you did it the slow way, people might start to get skeptical and then you wouldn't get the same amount of money you would. If you poured all the money in in the
0: beginning, right? Well, the, the, it's funny that you use the term "long leash" to describe CNN Plus because well, they didn't get much I time. Mean, yeah, I was about
2: to say it's like a comedically short leash, right? I mean, <laughs> but a lot of money,
1: right? I mean, it's three hundred million plus. What what is the number?
2: Am I making that up? There have been a few different reports. Some there was a three hundred million. There was a five hundred million. A lot. If it's the five hundred, that had to include sort of the full budget for the year. You can you can nitpick, or you can sort of you can. Question: the, the programming choices they made. They went with kind of these, a lot of lifestyle shows that didn't seem to make a lot of sense for CNN+. Those certainly, you know, the Ava Longoria show felt like could have lived on, on HBO Max. But there was also, you know, they hired some really big news talent, Audie Cornish from NPR and Chris Wallace from Fox News. Um, but there's not... There's Scott just, Galloway. <laughs> But they were, you know, they were trying to compare Bloomberg themselves to the New York Times. Scott
1: Galloway. That's why we brought you on the podcast <laughs> to hold you guys accountable for whatever. When sorry,
0: <laughs> the curse of Scott Galloway continues. I got, I got to launch my own streaming service and promise Scott a show. Uh, they, I mean, do you think this is a sign of actual, like, executive uh, decision making that maybe posts? Zaslav in a somewhat positive light, that he's willing to pull the plug on something that he doesn't believe in early on rather than just do it to, you know, soothe egos and, and you know, be a kind of accommodating to the new talent, but actually say, look, I have a strategy here. This didn't fit into it. The numbers, at least early on, didn't back it up. Like, let's fucking kill it rather than, you know, the maybe more judicious uh, Well, approach. look,
2: he's, he's certainly come out of this transition looking good, right? There was a lot of... You know, we talked about some of the, the the built up animosity towards Netflix. There was a lot of frustration in the kind of entertainment community with AT and T. There was a lot of frustration with the leadership of Warner Media because of what they did and how they released the the movies at home, which. I still think was the right decision from a business point of view, but but there were definitely some missteps in how they executed that. And so he was he was coming in with people giving him movies
1: at home. You mean skipping theaters? Yeah. When the,
2: when they decided to release their entire slate of 2021 movies on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time, it caused this kind of whole shit show in Hollywood of of representatives. A thing
1: that only matters in Hollywood and the rest of America is like uh, what? Yeah,
2: the, the rest of America is like movies at home. Great. Like I don't want to go to the theater. Right Right now What's it's like, the no, controversial? Like? <laughs> you need to read a three
0: thousand word open letter by Christopher Nolan to understand why you've been wronged. That's that's what
2: we care about. Sorry, I derailed
1: that, but yeah, okay, yeah no, so- it's fine.
2: But I think there's he he comes in with people giving him the benefit of the doubt because they want to see the company go in the the right direction. And I do think there's there is something to being decisive because it you sort of when you rip the band-aid off, it really sucks for a little bit, but then you get to where you want. The question I'll have is, you know, there. They're gonna, you know, probably lose a bunch of or fire a bunch of people through that. They're about to have to fire a bunch of other people through kind of reorganizations and consolidations and "quote unquote" synergies. And if he can get, th- if David Zaslav can get through that without, you know, seeming like the bad guy, that'll be quite the trick.
1: Wait, sorry for the non-Hollywood among us. What is his fiefdom, or what are the main properties? So David
2: Zaslav was, until recently, the the CEO of Discovery Communications, uh, which just owns a bunch of Cable networks, you know, including Discovery and TLC, and they bought Scripps, which has HGTV and Food Network, and uh, they then merged with Warner Media, which is HBO, the t- CNN, Warner Brothers Studio, and also the Turner Networks like TNT and TBS and Adult Swim. And their
1: plan is to make HBO Max even more maxim maximal.
2: Yeah, they they keep saying that they want to have just one service, and so Discovery has the service Discovery Plus which kind of went through a similar they didn't shut it down but they had gone in spending a bunch of money on shows with celebrities and you know discovery's always been kind of a low cost programming place and they were they tried to go premium with discovery plus it didn't work they kind of regrouped then they do this deal there's an assumption that discovery plus will either just be folded into hbo max or it'll be bundled in some way that is you know positive for the consumer and cnn plus just didn't fit into this into this plan, do
1: you think the HBO Max brand is like set? Like at this point, it's still a little nonsensical, right? It's I mean,
2: possible that they will change the name. They have not. They have not made any public comments on it. You have a gut
1: feeling on that.
2: I really don't because I think these companies have all taken different approaches with naming. HBO continues to be a really good brand, and I don't know why you want to. Throw that out to try to create something new,
1: but having a bunch of reality television on HBO, the brand won't mean anything in five years. I mean, it'll mean something totally different, right? It won't mean the wire anymore.
2: Well, one assumes that they will still have all of those shows. They'll just it'll be like like Netflix, where they they make a lot of really good prestige programming, but then they also have all this other stuff. <laughs> they already have kind of lowered the quality of from the HBO brand on HBO Max already. F-Boy Island is on <laughs> HBO Max. That's haven't, haven't watched that one. But yeah, I mean,
0: the the HBO Max original versus an HBO show, it's obviously to almost any normal person, all the same thing. But I know within HBO, there was a lot of massaging of like, well, what could technically be defined as an HBO show versus a Mac show that, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, back at, at the end, the tail end of my covering the beat and, and the, de- the the deal was starting to be discussed, there was a lot of consternation that discovery was sort of associated with some of the worst quality content on television, right? I mean, this was, like you say, low budget reality stuff that could really be considered garbage, that was then going to be married with, you know, the premium, most high quality intellectual, you know, content that I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest issues for them to reckon with over the next couple of months is like, what brand do we really stand for? How do we keep HBO safe from it? And, and, and like you're saying, what, what do we call this fucking thing?
2: Yeah. I mean, all, but it's, the truth is all these services are going through this, right? So we've, we've all talked about Disney on this. Disney is in the midst and I forget, I think you you wrote about this Tom when you were still at the Information. Jessica, the Information, loves to write about this subject, which is like how do they? How we're does talking Disney, about
1: Jessica Tungle, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. How does Disney Plus become more than just Marvel and Star Wars? Right. This is a this is a service that caters to those super fans and also to you know people with young kids because they have the the Disney Library and the Pixar movies and all that. But it's it 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 the the general customer does not view that as something that they're going to turn on every night to find something new to watch, right? Like they're going to go there for a very specific thing. And they've realized that if they want to hit the targets that they've put out, they're going to have to broaden what they do. And it's why you see them putting Dancing with the Stars on Disney+, and they're going to keep doing different things. All these services are, are still trying to figure out how to be like Netflix, which is why some of the problems that Netflix has had recently are somewhat concerning for them.
1: I, I teed this up earlier, but so I just want to make sure – it sounds like everybody thinks Quibi was far worse than CNN Plus or what, what were the definitive takes on – some of you are rejecting this framework at all. I, I didn't invent this. I've seen people saying this. I,
0: Look, they're both comedic blowouts. Uh, and, and before I answer that question, I just want to say one quick thing because I did check in on Twitter uh, over the weekend. Uh, Lucas, you can't say this because you still cover the beat, but Eric and I can. Uh, the implosion of CNN Plus is funny. I'm sorry. It, it fundamentally is funny. I'm sorry people lost their jobs. It, it happens. Uh, it'll happen even more uh, as the discovery integration goes through. But like, you don't have to sit there and cry about uh, the fact that there are people who lost their jobs the whole way through. Enjoy the things that are and funny. Predictable. That are, that are, like You go to something right.
1: like that, you should know you're taking a risk. They do act like it's a fucking tragedy. Anybody who started it right. It, can't they admit that like we went in knowing it was like a big gamble? And you're you're. I mean, isn't part of taking jobs like betting on like how good the company's going to do and everything well, like that? I think
2: the funny part is the the clash of or the kind of the the really rich, powerful people kind of basically fighting over the future of this thing. Because there was a point a week or two ago where it just seemed very clear to me that someone within the Discovery Universe was leaking bad news right. about Stories. CNN Plus yeah. because they wanted to kill this thing. And so then you had some people in the, the the within the kind of broader CNN-Warner media universe who wanted to try to rescue it. And so that part of it, there was a little bit of humor. I think the the sad part is all the people who will lose their jobs as a result of it. That is sort of undeniably sad.
1: It, it's sad. But I, to me, I think the funny part is this: CNN has this very, like, we're the authority brand. Like, we're delivering you, like, the news. Like, we understand the world and then for the the product of such a type of person to fail reflects that they don't actually necessarily understand the world i obviously journalists are not business people and they're different things and as a journalist i'm sympathetic but i to me the funny part is the conflict between this brand of authority and their sort of inability to judge their own likelihood of success. Your your scrunching up your nose at this. Oh
0: no, I'm just saying that uh, shit's hard. <laughs> like I definitely the, the fact yeah. that it's run by journalists certainly doesn't mean uh, that it uh, or not run by journalists. But
1: <laughs> they'd be good at it. But which is why I'm like just generally pro. Right. You know, slow slow and steady growth. I mean that's. You know, we both came from the information. That's what Jessica's done. Like, I, I, I believe Well, oh, but some that. things like, are. I mean, yeah. Disney
0: Plus was a huge, you know, out-of-the-box hit. You know, they, they got like 10 million subs day one. There there are things that do legitimately take off. Typically, those things are right. good ideas. Whereas when you have a bad right. idea, uh, it, it tends
2: to not do very well. Or where you're not operating from a position of strength. I mean, Disney had the best-known entertainment brand in the world and launched this sort of just remarkable marketing campaign, you know, most of these other services, you know, it took Netflix years to even get to a, a million subscribers. It Different news organizations, which is sort of the world that CNN's playing in, had to spend a while to, to... You don't usually jump out of the gate like Disney did. right? Well,
1: Disney had an insane value problem. It was super cheap. This is a company that's like sort of divvied out its like old properties and sort of not... You know, they just were very restrictive about what they let people have. And all of a sudden, they're like giving people like everything. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. So... It's having a product that people want. You guys are refusing even, a, in terms of Quibi, just, just say I'm the, Well, like, no, you, you won't even address it head on.
0: We kind of already did. I feel. I mean, like like Quibi, like Lucas, and I think we we agree on first of all, way more money invested, billions, uh, were, were invested in, into Quibi. So if the three hundred million figure is right for CNN, we're talking like less than three times. Uh, you know, the, the, the investments wait, no more, you know what I mean? Whatever, l- l- far less investment. You're like, nobody
1: at CNN called journalists pedos or whatever it was. <laughs> Actually, they probably
0: have, but
1: it's Tom, uh, Tom got uh, what she Meg said that,
0: that journalists groom sources the same way that child predators groom. And you were that, journalist. I was that journalist. Uh, I, I still have to inform everybody when I'm re- moving to a new neighborhood that I'm a journalist, so it's it's very. <laughs> it's very concerning for my my personal life. But no, way more money was invested into Quibi. It was, as Lucas made the point earlier, a much worse idea. There was no reason for it to exist. CNN Plus wasn't the first attempt at this thing. You know, Fox Nation is still around. They're probably going to see other companies try to do this sort of thing, right? There needs to be some kind of streaming answer for, for cable news. So it's hard for me to – it's not even in the same universe. Uh,
2: there's Los a opinion. bunch of other CNN Pluses out there, right? I mean, there's every company – there's so many different – Niche streaming services. CNN Plus just got a ton of attention because journalists are narcissists, and we like to talk right. about other journalists. Right.
0: Exactly. Right. I agree with. Like, that. media already gets overcome. This is, but you know, media that happens to be populated by journalists is like a, a, a yeah, a different level of narcissism that will require people to think it was a much bigger implosion than it was. Anyway, so my CNN Plus show is not going to make it. I'm sorry to say, but I'm still I'm still open <laughs> for anyone that wants to buy the IP. Uh, maybe the I don't know the newcomer streaming service can pick it up. So last thing here maybe just with the discovery the Zaslav era of media what do you look at with cnn plus now in the rearview mirror like what's next uh as like the biggest hurdle that they're going to have to address and like we'll give a sense as to what you know the 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 outside of disney the largest you know media company out there uh, is going to be going after
2: well they have to figure out what they want what their streaming strategy is they have two different services right now they have discovery plus and hbo max one assumes that they should just be squished together because Discovery Plus and HBO Max are both making unscripted programming and Discovery Plus has a you know a, a much smaller user base. But there's some bra- you know th- there's some brand confusion there that, that Eric alluded to earlier. You know, the HBO ran into this when they f- first started selling HBO Max because there were all these different names. There's HBO Go and HBO now and and so which one were you getting? I mean, thankfully, at least they didn't go with with another plus. And what well, they have that just, chance now? They they have that chance. They can relaunch with the plus.
1: I uh, love how that's your strong. That seems like your strongest ideologies or It's Like I'm anti-plus. Like that. I'm a lot of opinion.
2: Oh, I have opinions about <laughs> a lot of things. I'm just trying not to get in too much trouble today. Are you
1: allowed? Are you free? Are you what? Are, yeah. Are I mean, look,
2: my newsletter is basically a weekly column. You, you're not going to find like right. really strongly voiced opinions, but I, it's I wouldn't describe it as wholly neutral.
1: That's a big evolution. When I was there, when I was writing. Fully charged. They would never let me say it was opinion. It was. I don't.
2: I, I. don't view it and as. And I don't process. view it as. I mean, opinion. they're different. Teams. I view it as a report. I view it as a reported
0: okay. column. Sure. Hey, yeah. Anyway,
1: if you want the ball. pure,
0: undiluted Lucas Shaw opinion, you got to sign up for Lucas Plus. You gotta. You gotta get the premium. <laughs> you know, the premium level subscription.
1: Don't you go on Bellany's podcast
2: uh, a lot too? I go on. Uh, I go on the town every Monday, and then I occasionally appear on. The business, which is Kim Master Show at KCRW, and there may or may not be some other thing coming at some point. Who knows when?
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. We got. We got. Uh...
2: I think the other big question is, you know, David Zaslav has no experience running or little. It's been a long time running a big entertainment company that likes to spend a lot of money. And so is how is he going to feel when he's got to clear a $200 million check for a Batman movie or when he's got to sign off on an HBO show that's going to cost $20 million an episode? If he's if he's cool with it, great. But that's something he hasn't had to do in a in a very long time, if ever. I love it. He's in the hot seat. All right, thanks Thanks for doing this, Lucas, and, and doing it on a
0: Sunday. I appreciate it. I'll, yeah, uh, I'll look so for much. that kind of coverage. And um, whatever the next implosion may be, I'm sure you'll have something good to say about so it. So- yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
2: Goodbye, Silicon Valley.
0: <counseling> goodbye, 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 goodbye. goodbye.